Okay, today we're going to read the chapter on click. And the page numbers are page 249 to 262. So take a minute and find your book and turn to page 249 to start the chapter for click. And it goes to page 262. Click is uncertain origin. It's a noun. It's a brief, sharp sound sometimes traced to a mechanical device, as with a camera or computer, a part of some African languages. It's also a verb to select, to become a success, to fit seamlessly together. Click. Things were brighter, but also darker in the days after they heard that Dash had been kidnapped but had apparently escaped. The police told some that law enforcement officers at all levels were trying to find the connection between certain European crime rings and the messier New York group that had been working in Chicago. They warned the Pearls that it could be ages before they tracked down all of the criminals involved, but the men arrested at the Marquette Park warehouse stuck to the story that Dash had left there alive. The worry, of course, was that other members of the ring would find Dash wanting to prevent him from saying anything before he realized he could safely go to the police. One of the hardest things for the Pearls to hear was that no one knew what Dash had been told. Detectives and police were quite sure that he had been warned by his kidnappers not to show his face anywhere in Chicago. In other words, even if he escaped, he'd look guilty, which could hurt his family. He might have no idea that some of the criminals had been caught and the truth was out. Oddly, the only picture the three pearls still had of Dash was the one of his state identification card, as he hadn't either a license or passport, and all of their family pictures, the ones in their apartment, were gone. The face looking out was hardly familiar. It was so serious. Dash usually had a twinkle in his eye. Copies of the picture went to every TV station and newspaper in Chicago, but there wasn't yet much of a story to be told. Some wasn't sure what had been shown or when, but Mr. Way was watching all the time and had seen Dash flash by on the evening news. news. There had been short articles in some of the Chicago papers. Dash's old teacher was in the hospital by the time the arrests were made, and because he'd been forced into Mr. Pincer's office that day and threatened, he was able to add to the story the police heard from Mr. Alsop. Mr. Wave's testimony was invaluable. His memories helped detectives realize that Dash was no ordinary guy, but a man of integrity and rare promise. Sadly, Mr. Wave was seriously ill. Living in the shelters had made him sicker. It seemed like colds and flus loved those places. Almost everyone got sick in there, but anyone with trouble breathing had an extra tough time. Early wrote a note to Mr. Wave and looked forward to seeing him again when he was released from the hospital. Since the news about Dash, each day at Helping Hand felt endless. The three pearls looked toward the front door again and again, hoping to see a glimpse of Dash's shoulder, his head, his jacket, his hand. For ages, some worked on her job applications and letters down at the tables in sight of the entrance. All three watched and waited when the phone rang at the front desk 
and the guard wrote down a message. Early imagined Dash striding in the door one day during a mealtime and the three of them shrieking and running over, knocking him down with the biggest hug anyone in the world had seen. Everyone in Helping Hand would cheer like people do with famous sports players in a game. Dash, Dash, Dash! They'd be chanting then, as the joy swept on and on. The only time Early felt the tiniest bit relaxed these days was when she was thinking about home dreams, which was what she decided to call her project. Without really knowing it, Early had started something amazing in the city of Chicago, an idea that grew like wildfire. Agencies working with homeless families had heard about this project through the director at Chicago Hopes, the tutoring organization working at Helping Hand, and everyone loved the idea. It allowed kids to speak, offered a solid solution to family heartbreak, and cost almost nothing to share. In no time at all, home dreams were being mailed to the mayor of Chicago, some big foundations in the city, even the president of the United States. With thousands of kids in need of homes and ready for a dream, the letters just kept coming. The return address on each was Home Dreams, followed by the name of one or another of the family shelters in the city. If you happened to open one of these packages, you'd find this cover letter handwritten and copied on a Xerox machine. Hi, my name is Early Pearl. Here's a picture of me. Click with an armload of books. I'm 11 years old and I'm staying in Helping Hand Shelter with my mom and brother. Something bad happened to my dad, but I know he's trying to get back to us. When he does, that will be the best day ever. Kids need grown-ups to help them get started in life, but they also need a home. Imagine if you couldn't head home when you left your office tonight, or if your kids couldn't head home after a day at school. No matter what age you are, you need a place to rest where you feel like you belong, a place to have friends and be with family a place to feel safe and private, a place to make plans, a place to dream, a place to put down some roots, or as my dad used to say, a place to go and grow. Early went on to tell her story. Soon other kids were telling their stories too. Photographs were attached to each. My name is Marcella. I'm nine. This is me. Click in my favorite pink sweatshirt. My dad came here to work as a gardener, but broke his leg falling down some stairs one winter and couldn't go to the doctor. He tried to fix it himself by tying it to sticks, but it hurts all the time. It's hard for him to find good work now and he isn't as fast as he used to be. One leg is straight and one is crooked. Here's the house I want to be in. If my family and me could live there, we would sing. My mom and dad and brother and I would plant so many vegetables in the yard that we would always have extras, pimentos, jalapenos, tomatoes, frijoles, cebolas, lechuga, calabaza. We would have vegetables for any neighbor who was hungry. We would freeze and pickle lots of for the winter. My grandmother would make her yummy pimento jelly. I would sleep on the second floor with my sisters and we would have curtains that opened so that sun could come in and we could look out. 
We would make a shrine for the Virgin in front under the tree, and anyone who wanted to say a prayer could stop in our yard and do that. Maybe we could put a seat there for people who are tired. We would have our own stove and refrigerator and kitchen table. I would help with the cooking and dishes. We could love one another all the time in my family, and my mom would stop crying. My dad would feel better because maybe we could sell enough vegetables to fix his leg. My mom is a great cook, and we could sell her tamales and burritos, too. Us kids could set up a table on the porch and make change for people who came to buy. That is my dream. My name is Johnny, and I'm 10. This is me, click, with a picture of my cat, Champ. He is a beauty. When the sheriff came to our apartment and made us go, we had to leave Champ behind. I put all the food I could find in his bowl. And man, did I feel bad. It was tough. Maybe one day I'll go back to my neighborhood and he'll be there waiting for me, just washing his face with his paw like nothing happened. Maybe other people have been feeding and brushing him while he waits. I sure hope so. I left his brush, his favorite old pillow, and his bowl on our front steps. Here's the apartment I picked out on the second floor of this empty building. I like it because it has a lot of big windows and Champ could sit and look out. I could watch the street too. I'd see my friends coming down the block on bikes. I'd see the school bus and run downstairs at the last minute. Maybe I'd share a bedroom with my big brother and he could we could sleep late on the weekends. Our family could own our own kitchen again and eat stuff whenever we got hungry, like even in the middle of the night. My mom and dad could find better jobs because we could say we had a home. We'd find a sofa and all sit together in our pajamas and watch TV at night, and no one would be yelling at anyone else. We'd always be happy to have our own place to go and never forget what it feels like to have no home. And if Champ is by the door waiting for me every day after school, That will be my special dream. I don't want nothing else. Hi, my name is Belinda, but I call myself Aisha. I'm 10 years old. Here I am, click, with my magic hairband, the one with the blue sparkles. Here's the home I want us to live in. It's made of brick. It's down on the ground and so strong it couldn't burn like our old apartment. Stone doesn't catch fire like wood, and I think brick is stone. My mom and us three kids lived with my grandma until the heater got flames, and then my grandma, my brother, and my baby sister died when we were running down the stairs and the walls fell on us. My mom was at work that night. If my mom and me could live in this house, we could start a life. That's what my mom likes to think about. Starting a life. We both miss my grandma, Booker, and May Rose. But we try to think ahead. I don't talk too much about my grandma's hugs or Booker and me playing hide and seek or the baby giggling every time I tickled her. My mom says we got to keep going and that working hard keeps you from going crazy. If you got a chance to fix up this house, maybe we could have curtains with pink rosebuds and a couch. We could blow goodbye kisses to each other and no one would laugh at us. We could relax without strangers nearby. We could feel safe in this stone house with no stairs. My dream is that we sometimes get to forget the sad things, but I say a prayer every night for my grandma and Booker and little May. 
and I hope they know I love them. My mom says they will always be in our hearts. I think this means all of our souls could be together in this house. Click. The cold continued to crush and encircle all within reach and the snow. Early had never noticed so many kinds of snow. In the past three weeks, she'd seen it blanket heavy and round with shadows, fast and sharp, a horizontal sting laced with ice, slow, as deliberate and haunting as a poem. Slow was when each flake landed on a sleeve or glove became a rhythm of circles, a tiny symmetrical treasure. If you moved with care, a snow crystal on a sunny day had the sparkle of a gem caught and kept for an instant. Diamonds for everyone, Early thought to herself, as free and plentiful as words. She wondered why so much beauty tumbling out of the sky or drifting from people's minds goes unseen. She knew the answer, even as she wondered. People get distracted by worries and sadness and have to struggle to see anything else. They have to work hard to hold on to beauty, to hold fast to dreams and words, like some who seem to grow more fragile with each passing day. Early knew she had to hold fast for three and dream for them all, at least until Dash came home. She had time to think about snow, secrets, and the hard choices people make in life. She wasn't back in school yet. The police hadn't arrested the top people in the smuggling ring, and some wasn't about to risk any more kidnapping. She needed her kids close at all times. She told Early that as soon as Dash headed home, they'd move back to Woodlawn and Early could return to her old classroom. Sometimes she wrote in the homemade notebooks, but now that felt lonely. Early missed all the friends she'd made. She hoped Darren, Aisha, Isabel, and Marcus were all doing okay wherever they were. Maybe being together in a shelter was part of the reason she'd gotten to be close so fast. Life in a shelter was unpredictable and bumpy. That, that was for sure. And you could never count on someone being there for long. So if you liked a person or had something to say, click. There was no time to waste. It was sad to think that she could now, now couldn't find these kids because they had no address or home phones next to their names. There were moments that week when it seemed to early like everyone in the shelter hated one another. People couldn't be bothered to leave the bathroom clean for those who came after them. They didn't say sorry if they stepped on a heel or toe. They weren't thoughtful about radio noise or talking loudly, or they shouted at and slapped their kids. Sometimes life at Helping Hand felt like one huge story of misery, a rhythm of wrongs. Early looked up the word shelter and added it to her notebook. Origin unknown. It had no root that anyone knew of which fit. It meant an enclosed area that offers protection against a threat and sounded like its definition. The word started with a soft shh and ended with a tidy, hard sound like a door closing. She felt that a shelter now felt more like a place of safety than a place for the lost. As each day went by with no dash, some got quieter and quieter. Early began being the one to take Juby down to breakfast each morning, as some just wasn't up to it. 
When she did get up, she always looked tired. She stopped fixing her hair nicely and sometimes forgot even to comb it. She stopped applying for jobs. She didn't seem to hear the kids and she never felt like reading aloud. It was as if she had a burst of energy right when she heard the good news about Dash escaping. And then when he didn't show up at the shelter day after day after day, she kind of let go, began to drift, and then to go under. I'm sorry, baby, she murmured to Juby when he tried to get her up, shaking her shoulder over and over. When Early reminded her that Dash would say they had to keep going, she only leaked tears. Just hearing the word Dash these days seemed to hurt. Early got more and more frightened. One night at bedtime after reading to Juby, with some lying near, she turned out the light and then fled silently with her father. Dash! Where are you? Each day feels like forever, and some is not okay. I'm doing my best, but we all miss you so much, and I don't know what will happen to us without you. Things are desperate, and we need you. Dash, we need you, need you, need you. She waited in the dark, clearing a quiet place in her head for Dash to answer, trying not to cry herself. There was only the crinkling of the hard plastic covers on their mattresses as Juby and Sum tried to get comfortable, and the tap-tap of their window rattling as winter roared through the narrow channel between the buildings. Just as Early was falling asleep, she thought she felt Dash pup the side of her head with his hand. In an instant, she was up on one elbow. There was no one there, of course, Early thought sadly. What, she, what did she expect? And right at that moment, clear as day, she heard Dash say, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. She lay down again. The words beat a slow whooshing rhythm that felt like the wings of birds in flight. Was that really Dash this time or, or was she imagining his voice now? Was this just the rhythm of her heart? The thought was too scary and sad to allow, and she quickly covered it, click, with memories of all the pictures that were once up on their wall in the Woodlawn apartment. The four of them on the steps of their building, Juby under the table they ate on, early reading, some blowing a kiss, sunshine, laughing, running, scraped knees, macaroni stuck to an elbow, enough love and hope for a dozen families. Click. Dash was behind the camera, finding four and three over and over as if to erase forever a time when one might be gone. Click, click, click. And that is the end of the chapter titled Click, pages 249 to 262. Don't forget to do your vocabulary words and the comprehension questions are on the website. Do a good job and answer with lots of detail. We miss you and hope to see you soon.